We all have heard horror stories of how a remodel nearly tore a couple apart, as well as how impactful our environment can be on our state of well-being. Remodels don't have to end in divorce, and we can reflect our true selves in our environment with the right approach. Welcome to Psychotecture. My name is Rachel Melvald, and I'm a psychotherapist and designer. Psychotecture was developed as a methodological approach to ease issues that come up in design challenges, as well as the philosophy on how our environment can reflect our highest selves. Each week, I will interview an expert in the field of design and psychology to shed light on design challenges. I will also have a special series called The Psychotech is In, where I can offer help to those in design intervention need. Welcome to The Psychotech is In. Today on the Psychotech is in, we're going to continue with our segment on meeting the experts. And my go-to attorney at law, Rosaline Zuckerman, who specializes in family law and is a divorce attorney, which is highly relevant to how we maintain relationships in real estate and what goes into the financial and the early indicators as to how to maintain happy marriages and good financial decisions going into home buying. So without further ado, we introduce the esteemed Rosaline Zuckerman. It is such an honor and a blessing to have this time to interview Rosalind Zuckerman, who is quite a force in the field. And I'm just going to generally start our interview with just telling me about you and how you got into practicing law, more specifically family law and divorce law. Well, I went to law school at 47 when my youngest kid went off to undergrad, went to Berkeley, and I decided I wasn't going to have an empty nest. And I've always been interested in family law because I have a background in psych and counseling. And I looked at family laws as an extension of parenting, frankly, and I miss parenting. It's whatever people can do to enhance or mess up their lives. (laughs) That's exactly what we do. We do custody, visitation, post-judgment, modification, divorce, legal separation, cohabitation, Prenuptials, postnuptials, like I said, anything people can do to enhance their lives or mess them up. And when they messed up too badly, I sent them to therapy. Which is where I come on board. (laughs) Especially if there are children involved, because I want to do the least amount of damage to the children. Well, I think this is why you are the go-to attorney, and that's why I am honored to have you as a guest on The Psychotect is In, because as a couples therapist who often does deal with divorce and these pending custody issues with the children, we want to refer to an attorney who is very much supportive of a very stressful time for these couples. And the psychotect is in focuses a lot on remodels and new homes and new developmental experiences. But that often does include the stakes of a potential separation or divorce. And we want to know who to go to if that should be something that is is happening. And I say that you are the go-to, Rosalind, is because you yourself, you're a mother, 
a grandmother of many, and you have a maternal way about you. And we've discussed how you almost have a nurturing way about you, a maternal way with your clients when they're going through such a stressful legal time. Can you talk about that? Sure. Well, like I said, I have a bachelor's in strategy and a master's in counseling. So that does help getting through this horrible breakup of a nuclear unit, no matter how old the parents, the children are, even adults' children feel like the rug has been pulled out from under them. And many times, I think people, you know, nowadays, I think if the ashtray gets full, you buy a new car. But in a long-term marriage, which we had, I just lost my husband a few months ago, you have a lot of memories and you have a lot of ups and downs. And nothing is ever perfect in life and the only constant is change. And whenever there's a potential breakup of the marriage, you want to make sure that this is the right thing for your family unit to be doing. I've been doing this over 38 years and I've had over 40 reconciliations and half of those have taken. The only time that I think that I should go forward is if there's physical abuse or child abuse or hard drug abuse that seems to be hopeless and is working the family unit. Or I, I still remember there was one couple that adored the little four-year-old. She thought he was a tightwad. He thought she was a spendthrift. They were both a little bit right. And so I sent them to somebody in the financial world who is very good at dealing with budgets, and that saved the marriage. And they, they were talking about divorce, and that would be kind of a silly thing to do because their only issue revolved around money. And if you can deal with that, I think you can move forward. They, they seem to really care for each other. But that's, that's one of the reasons I believe prenuptial agreements are so good, even if you don't sign them. Because you bring up choices that you have to make it. Because you really are business partners as well as emotional partners. When you're getting get married, you don't want to just think about the dress or the caterer or the honeymoon. You want to think about living together and the day-to-day choices you have to make. And these are these are words of wisdom, both legally and from your own personal experience of being married for how long were you married for? No, I'm almost 70 years. Almost 70 years. And I've shared my condolences, but Thank you me. know, and I heard your husband was just a wonderful person as you are. So a great co-parent, too. We met at a summer camp, co-ed summer camp. We were counselors. And the first thing that attracted me to him was how good he was with children. And I think it's important to think about who your co-parent is going to be. I mean, obviously, it's you know, you have to be in, in lost as well as love in order to, you know, when you want to get married. But there are other things to think about. And if you're planning to have a family, you want to be on the same page. And a lot of times I think it's important to see how your opposite sex or same sex parent gets along with their parents and what their parenting was like. I know I chose, happened to be lucky I chose the right parents, but I tended to use their philosophy, hold with an open hand, and yet you approve of 
of their life choices are still their life. You may not agree with everything they do, but we give advice when it's asked for. And Roz, I think you bring up many good points. There's so many segues here that you already have brought up. One being to choose your partner is it's good to see what their family of origin, how they are with their parents, how their parenting was. And you got to have a glimpse of how he was with children, knowing you would be a parent someday. And so that was important information. Well, when you're 18 or 19, you don't normally think about that. But for some reason, since parenting was so important to my parents, it was something that was kind of, I picked up unconsciously that I was attracted to somebody who was great with kids. And we happened to be fortunate enough to have four incredible kids and 12 incredible incredible grandkids. And we're happy that you two did because your legacies and who you both are to have your children, your grandchildren. It's beautiful to see because as we're talking about divorce and reconciliation and those issues, what you bring up, I think that is really important is you went into parenting as well as you go into these legal proceedings very consciously. To be a conscious parent would be to say, I don't have you to serve my purpose. I have you to be your own being and support you along the way. So to me, what I hear and I see is that you're a very conscious parent and making those informed decisions consciously around raising children. Well, it's often unconscious. I remember one client I had that kept choosing unconsciously, kept choosing substance abusers of different kinds. And I finally sent her to ACA, which is Adult Children of Alcoholics. And she finally realized why she was attracted to what was familiar. And she did end up getting a fourth marriage and was was very happy. Because she finally learned her pattern. It was a consciousness raising thing. Right. Versus unconsciously choosing the same partner, like a parent who was an alcoholic and unavailable. She went through her own work to become more conscious. That's why I I always advise people who are trying to get their act together to go to Al-Anon or some other group or else I refer a lot to different therapists. I have a, to use an old expression, I have a big Rolodex of lots of really good therapists, including a very good child therapist. I try to be a counselor in every sense of the word. Yeah, yeah. Well, the fact that you bring up Al-Anon and ACA, which as a therapist, and I really speak to the importance of getting involved if you're codependent, have a parent as an alcoholic, you're living with an addict, those groups are invaluable. And the fact that you make that a part of your system of care really speaks to your to your wisdom, you know. Well, there's another thing that I just happen to think about is there are people who have the broken wing syndrome, if you're familiar with that. They're wonderful people, but they feel like they have to fix whoever it is. We don't marry somebody to have them as a patient. You want somebody who is at your level and that you can 
consider your best friend as well as your husband or wife or or cohabitant or whatever, you know, whatever you're called these days, you know. It's important to recognize if you I have another recent client who had made two really bad choices. She's got a PhD, she is a psychologist, and she consciously or unconsciously was attracted to people that she could fix. Mm. And then she ends up being upset because they don't meet her needs. Well, they expect their needs to be met. Right. Instead of saying, let's be with a partner who can be ready and available to meet her needs, this, when it becomes someone, and as therapists have to be careful of. I have such great respect for people who've done the work and have been in, in different 12-step or other programs and have stayed sober for 10, 20 years. But those are people who have done the work. They know who they are and what their needs are and what their weak spots are. And it's probably a better partner than somebody who thinks that they're just social drinkers, but yet they have to be socially drinking every night, you know? <laughs> right, right. But you bring up, you know, if you see many marriages and relationships and you see what are variables of resiliency and I shouldn't say success, but the variables that maintain a a relationship. And if you're not conscious in terms of using or abusing substances and seeing how that impairs your own life or your relationship, right, this is unconscious. Well, the other thing that's so interesting is the cultural differences have to be recognized too. I find the most exciting thing about practicing family law in Los Angeles is how diverse the city is. And if you deal with certain cultural expectations that's being brought into the marriage, I think that should also be discussed before they get married. That is a gift to working in Los Angeles is we are in a very culturally diverse city, which thank goodness I feel so fortunate. When I did substitute teaching, I would tell the kids if I go into a high school or a junior high that we're not a melting pot, we're a tossed salad. Yes, yes, yes. I love that. I was actually just thinking of it and I couldn't think of that phrase. So I'm so happy that you brought it up. And each piece of the salad brings something special to the entire unit. Exactly. We're not all mixed up. Everyone's got such a special, unique place in that salad. And when you look at the, like you're saying, and I think what we're bringing up in this interview is what to look at before you get married and your values. Let's say it's a mixed marriage of someone who's Catholic and Jewish. Or being very religious or irreligious. Right. No matter what. Yeah. And those are things that have to be recognized and either accepted or dealt with. And so much of of marriage is a compromise. And you don't select the little stuff, and it's really all little stuff when you come right down to it, unless it's a a serious, you know, abuse issue or something. But the little stuff tends to open up the big stuff, right? Yes, it can blow up. It can blow up. So the more that we discuss before marriage, the more that we, you know, the concept of premarital counseling does have value in that you're learning to really bring up these serious issues. 
Well, this is, I used to, for an engagement present, I usually would give an hour with the premarital counseling with a counselor for an engagement present. You did. Rosalind, you just beyond, like, you are a family attorney that really looks at the prevention. Oh, yeah. That is one of the greatest gifts. Preventative lawyering. It is. It's preventative lawyering. That's exactly what you're doing. So many of the people now with the COVID, one of the, aside from the fact that people who are overcrowded or aren't wearing masks as a political statement for whatever reason, but there's a national epidemic of obesity, too, and that seems to be a real factor in people being more vulnerable in the COVID now. Mm-hmm. Prevention is being healthy and having a, I keep kiddingly, not so kiddingly, saying aside from from free and sale, my biggest four-letter word is move. So exercising is important. You know, amen to that, Rosalind. I tell every client of mine in therapy, talk therapy, we can't get to your endorphins and serotonins and regulating yourself through talk. You just got to move. And you speak to, I think there was a there was a study with the National Institute of Mental Health that said, not only is it talk therapy, maybe medication that leads to symptom distress reduction, but it's exercise. Exercise yeah. is just as important as any other variable of therapy. So, yeah. so talk about prevention. Yeah, that's key. It's really important. Obviously, it's important to have a balanced diet, be cognizant of nutrition. Yes. Just keep moving. I mean, I know that I sit in my chair in my office a lot. And I, I'm conscious of that. I try to get on my treadmill at home when I get home. Well, you're very <laughs> conscious of moving. And I think you walk the talk. Yeah. And that you keep yourself healthy. You keep yourself moving. You're very conscious as you go into relationships and who you connect with and resource with. You mentioned a lot of important variables and and real golden nuggets for our listeners today about staying resilient, you know, not only for yourself, but through your relationships, right? And in preventative lawyering, what do you think, you know, when I have couples that come to me and they say, I'm not in love with him anymore. I know it, it's been 15, 20 years of this relationship, but I don't want to leave because of the kids. Well, sometimes it's better for kids to come from a broken home than to be in one. I mean, if they, it all depends how they handle the situation or if they've gone into marital counseling or sexual counseling. The lost of the first month or years, whatever, does fade with time because you you run around, you don't make time to have a date night and things like that. Right. So you would say... You have to treat your relationship as if your marriage depends on it. And even if it's not a physical... Some people can't physically do much about that anymore. But if you have the same goals and interests and same philanthropic goals, that, that keeps you together too. Right. Well, I've noticed, you know, community and keeping a group of friends and there's so much that supports a couple too, right? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. But you're saying it's to examine how did the romantic life go away? Are, is there not any energy going to date night? Has sex died? Let's let's try these avenues before we decide to end this relationship. Yet, if it's so broken, it would be healthy for the children not to be in that situation. And make sure in therapy to deal with the situation because the breakup of a nuclear family is the children's view, you know, because when they're little, they think everything revolves around them, which it does. And if mommy and daddy aren't happy and are fighting all the time, then that's their picture of what married life is. You know, like the old joke about the masochist told the sadist beat me and the sadist said no. <laughs> it takes a minute to think about <laughs> Yeah, that was a slow one. That was witty. That was really witty. Because <laughs> you know what? I was even thinking before that, I thought, oh my gosh, that is so true where you bring the psychology in and how much for you to have the psychology background going into being a family law attorney is so, it's such a magical balance because you knowing that the child We'll take that blame. We'll take that shame because that's what they will do. Well, they'll do what's familiar. And if squabbling and hurting each other is familiar, they'll carry that on. I know that they have the battered spouse uh, workshops. And a lot of times they talk about how well I was beat up or I, I, that's the way you know, this, this is what, what I saw. That's normal. Well, after they're in therapy for a while, a group therapy, they find out that it isn't quote unquote normal. It's what they it's their normal. It's their normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so part of your practice, Rosalind, is so much about referring to couples therapy, to getting the children in therapy during this process, Al Anon, getting people healthier as they're going through the crisis, no matter what. And they're different. Every stage in life has different challenges. And now with the COVID, there are so many unfortunate, there are so many young families where one parent is gone. One of the TV shows last night, they, they were interviewing a bunch of families where the main breadwinner was the victim of, of COVID and the spouse that was remaining and had to worry how to take care of five kids afterwards. And you have to have good advanced uh, financial planning also. Right. And that's really from seeing that of this time in COVID to see the loss of a parent mm -hmm. and how to financially, you know, if they are prepared for that. And that's not a situation of divorce. That's a pure loss mm -hmm. of medical and socioeconomic vulnerability, Right. Right. It's, it's really, there are many new issues now that have come up because people are quarantined. They're seeing how they, if they're working from home, they can see how the spouse is so nice to their clients or customers. <laughs> and, can't they be that nice to me, you know? <laughs> You're yeah, you, you get more observation of that. That's a yeah, good point. Yeah. And that has created a lot of stresses, you know, new stresses in marriages that that wouldn't be noticeable before if they're, you know, they're both 
working and running off doing their thing. They come home, give the kids dinner, go to bed, have sex, and that's it. Right. But they don't really communicate. You know. And now, like you're saying, with this whole office home space being combined, you're getting this mishmash of boundaries and seeing things you don't normally see or want to see. And it's it's causing more stress. And have you seen in your practice, Rosalind, are you seeing people, do you think the divorce rate would be getting higher now or just, it's hard to say, but. Well, you know what? Not everything leads to divorce. I think that could be, like you said, more people deciding, well, I'll just wait till the kids have grown or I'll just have an affair, which creates another set of circumstances. It's how you choose to deal with the issues that have a lot to do with your character, as we saw with the ex-president. I'm not going to be political. Right. But but we're observing how these personalities and what has come out at this time is really hopefully a time of, for us to really reflect on who we are and how we interact. Our basic you know, value system. Right. Our basic value system. Right. And that comes down to empathy. And as I've experienced more and more is this sense of I can take care of myself, but I'm not okay if the world's not okay, the collective's not okay. Yeah. And it's such well, a well, the only way you can change the world is to vote. Yeah. Yes. Thank yeah. you. This is the most important. Also, why I am so honored to have you as a guest. I feel like you are the Dr. Ruth meets Ruth Bader Ginsburg of the you know, attorney family law world. And I really think that Rosalind Zuckerman, am I pronouncing it right? Do you say Zuckerman or Roz? But I call you Roz. And that's what we call you is Roz because you are so welcoming and warm and you just are able to break things down just simply. I, I feel like when I ask you questions legally or about family systems, you're just able to break it down in a way that I feel like we've lost that ability just to kind of, I don't know, how would you describe your way of communicating, Roz? Well, I think you said empathy, I think is really, really important. Being able to find out what's behind the facade. To be vulnerable. And, you know, when you get with, especially if you're young, when you get married, you do it because you have fun things to do together. You want to go to theater. There's no theater now. Right. If you like traveling, you can't do that either. No, I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of uh, stressors now that never existed before. And I'm hoping that will go away soon. Me too. We have all these vaccines, hopefully. Right. But, but I've been seeing that in couples too, trying to establish the date night again has been hard because there's not places to travel and it's not easy to go to a restaurant. And then you can bring up another conflict who is more relaxed around COVID and who's more restrictive. And that has brought up a lot of tension with the couple in terms of safety measures well, you know, the other thing is, as you get older, one or the other of you will end up being a caregiver, either of a spouse or a parent, mm-hmm. or, God forbid, even a child. 
I mean, there are all kinds of things that come up that are unexpected when you first get married right. or first start living together. Not everybody now was a partner. Actually, they, they, that's they, true. They wait without thinking of their biological time clock. But then again, a lot of women are, are freezing their eggs or freezing embryos, too. Right, so that they can... Which is considered property when you get a divorce. Oh, wait, that's interesting. So what happens with that property? Well, embryos. It's an issue, too, to be good. And by the way, pets are also considered property, even though they're emotionally you know, attached to Many things to consider when you get married and when you get divorced. These are, again, words of wisdom from somebody who knows how to be in a good marriage, who's been in one of the healthier ones and happier ones that I've seen, as well as someone who's seen the variables of what challenges the marriage and what, what's at stake. So embryos and animals, and obviously as you see a lot of times when they split, like who gets the house and this whole yeah. issue. Well, getting the house sometimes is a good thing because parties can afford it, but it's an income consuming asset. Whereas a business is an income producing asset then stereotypically a lot of women want to stay in the house, which is good as long as they can afford it. Right. As long as they can afford that house that they lived in yeah. prior. Right. So that's the decision is it's good to keep the house, but you're saying as long mm-hmm. as obviously. There's an emotional attachment to that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that has to be dealt with too. That I'm sure you've seen in your practice. Yeah. Well, with psychotecture, working with couples and homes, the attachment to the home is huge, mm-hmm. especially if you've inhabited that home for so many years and all these memories raising kids, it can be a very grievous one. So mm-hmm. we have to support. You know, I'm, I'm facing, should I downsize? Because I'm in a, you know, a condo that's three bedrooms. I don't need three bedrooms. I need two so I can have my Well, your children do visit, though. You do have a lot of visitors. Yeah, I do. You need at least one other. Well, yeah, I definitely do. But three, then you're thinking, do I really need that? Yeah. I third is an office anyway, so. That's true. It always turns into the office. Like my childhood home, my bedroom, you know, accrues plants and turns into an office, right? So- Roz, in interest of time, I'm just looking at our time. And I think what this interview has really sparked for me is that I think we need to have you on this podcast interview more because this was not enough time. And there's such a wealth of legal and social, emotional, and just life experience that and financial regarding all aspects of relationships, families, what we need to support people before they get married or when they're going through a separation to look at all the legal and financial decisions at stake that if time allows and if you would allow us, we would love to have you as a guest to field more questions and as a referral, how would people, if they are needing an attorney I'm going to include your information at the end of this, giving your website and email. Is that the best way? Yeah, that's fine. 
I always give everybody my cell phone because I, I like to be available. That's true because you're so you're so you're available. You're somebody that's there. That's what I find so nurturing, and you're punctual and you're reliable too. Thank you. Like I said, I chose the right parents. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe we might choose them. There's some karma in that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our next topic, Roz. Well, okay. thank you so much for being a guest today. I just am so excited about us continuing this conversation and more questions and more golden nuggets that you can give our, our listeners because I think it's really important to hear from you. Thank you for asking me. And I really enjoyed talking to you. Yes. Okay. And we'll talk soon. I can't wait for our lunch very soon. That's right. <laughs> now that we can eat outside. Exactly. I see a little sun coming out now. So <laughs> it's looking up. <laughs> okay. Bye, Roz. Thank bye. you so much. Bye. This is Psychotecture by Rachel Malvald with coaching, consultation, and psychotherapy offered virtually and in home throughout the Los Angeles greater area and nationally. We work to ease design challenges to create transformative habitats. Thank you, and we look forward to the next episode and your questions, so don't forget to subscribe.